0: Welcome to the Sengcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the host of the Sengcast and I'm also the managing director of B Squared. If you are a new listener, then welcome to the Sengcast. The aim of this podcast is really, really simple. We want to reach lots of people and help you all learn more about special educational needs and disability. Now, this is a special episode as we are celebrating our third birthday Over the last three years, I've been extremely fortunate to discuss a wide range of topics around SEND with lots of amazing guests. Just like to take this opportunity to thank all our listeners and our guests. And in this episode, my guest is Kim Griffin. Kim is an occupational therapist and a founder of Griffin OT. Kim focuses on autism, sensory processing, and dyspraxia. And in this episode, we're discussing handwriting. Following on from new guidance from the DfE, the research review series English. The Sengcast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We are the assessment people. We help schools to show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. If you're a primary school struggling to show progress or struggling to identify where a pupil isn't making progress, we can help. Did you also know that you can use B-Squared assessment for more than just pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time and money, and also simplifying the whole assessment process. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me and to take you through our assessment software. Now let's get on with our third birthday podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing handwriting following new guidance from the DFE, the research review series, English. My guest this week is Kim Griffin. Kim is an occupational therapist and founder of Griffin OT. Kim has been working in SEND for the last 20 years with a focus on autism, sensory processing and dyspraxia. She also provides additional training and support for sensory processing and motor skills like handwriting on her website, griffinot.com. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, Dale. Welcome back. My handwriting is atrocious. We won't go there. And most people in the adult world do type a lot more than they write, but handwriting is still a big part of schools. What does this new guidance say and what is best practice for teaching?
1: Okay, so handwriting is definitely a firm favorite in schools and I, I can't see it disappearing out of school curriculums anytime soon personally
0: not until the budget for IT increases a lot more, which it won't. <laughs> so yes, we're stuck with handwriting.
1: And I think what I quite like about the research review series is that it's, it makes it quite clear in terms of, it, it. obviously it includes the phonics and all of those elements, which is not my area of expertise, but it looks that handwriting is sort of that separate skill and looking at um, the underlying pieces of spelling and writing for composition. But I really like that it also includes that children need sufficient working memory to plan and write as well. So it brings in that element as well. There's also some specific recommendations in terms of teaching handwriting. So we can run through them as we go through today.
0: Does it sort of mention, discuss, elaborate on like the language and literacy link?
1: Yeah, there, there are components in here which pull up on language. Yes, it, it definitely does, and I, I quite like that element of it as well because obviously, so for me as an occupational therapist, writing is a motor skill, yeah. like the physical bit of holding the pencil, writing the letter, knowing what that looks like. You've then got the visual perception skills of actually getting that letter in the right place on the page. Linking the words together, leaving spaces. But the the other foundational piece of writing is ability to compose. So you've got your language in there. So if you don't have great spoken language, actually moving that into writing is going to be trickier. If you don't have the vocabulary, using the vocabulary is going to be trickier. And there's also the piece around phonics and spelling and that. So it's handwriting is so much more. Complicated than I think a lot of people necessarily give it credit for. And you can have a breakdown in any of those skills. So it might just be one of those skills, but you might have a breakdown in multiple parts of those skills. Yes. So <laughs> it is,
0: it's, it's a way of demonstrating a number of skills. Mm. But if they're struggling with one of them, we just assume it's handwriting. Mm. Whereas there's a lot of things before that. Yeah. Phonology and many other things that we podcasted about before and i do think the fact that the things like the pre key stage standards you look at reading and writing there's mm-hmm. a lot of guidance but spoken mm-hmm. language i'm pretty sure it just covers the entire key stage <laughs> so it's, oh, spoken language it doesn't matter is kind of what i pick up from that but it's yeah. actually it's really crucial and you need to have a lot of that before you can even get to the writing and the handwriting
1: yeah and and there's a piece around just coming up with and formulating and organizing ideas so quite often if handwriting is terrible when the kids get that bit older, it, typing is recommended. And that's fine if the child has got the ideas and can tell you what's going on. But yes. if they're still struggling with that composition bit, it's not really going to improve that much if you get them to type
0: no. because
1: it's a separate skill. Like it, it will make their writing more easy to read. And it will, some children are more motivated by typing because actually the writing bit is an absolute difficulty for them as is the composition. So typing is a little bit easier for them. And it also, I think typing makes correcting errors a lot easier personally as well because you can move stuff around more easily. You can backspace rather than have to rub out and start again. Or if you're in pen, you've got to almost start the whole thing again. So I do think keyboarding, Can help with certain elements, but it's certainly if you don't have the ideas to get out, it's not going to fix that piece of ability to get your ideas out.
0: What I will just mention about typing is if it's great for dysgraphia Mm -hmm. and hypermobility, it can be, which is that sort of thing.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes. My fingers—you can't see on the podcast. Dale is pushing his fingers together and making what is called the the end joint of his index finger sort of very bendy.
0: Yeah, it bends backwards, which apparently it's not supposed to do, I found out recently. But mine does. Yours does as well. Yeah. But yeah, so some children, when they're writing, they're holding two halves, they're bending that back, it hurts and things like that. Yeah. And one of the things, if you do, if you have a child where it hurts when it writes, where they really don't want to write, what happened in my nephew's situation is he wrote the answers in a few words as possible. Yes. So when he got to typing... And he's doing his GCSEs. suddenly. He's got a six mark question. He's right on answer it in five words.
1: Uh, Yeah, because he hasn't practiced elaborating. So he's now, now,
0: because he would avoid elaborating. So he's now having to elaborate and learn that again. Yeah. So pros and cons. I'm a big fan of typing, obviously. But, and I get the reasons we have to use handwriting, but it is one of those things of, again, what's the lifelong benefit? And if you have to do your GCSEs a certain way, things that's a whole other thing let's get back to handwriting i
1: do think that there is a lot more flexibility these days in terms of gcses if if typing is your standard way of working and that is how you have been working through your high school career secondary school career you can type your gcses these days what i find i don't think they've included voice dictation yet if i if they have please let me know but i've i've found it quite funny that you can have a scribe but you can't use voice dictation. I find that, I just personally find that confusing. But well,
0: would you choose this tomato? <laughs> Which one would you choose? Tomato? <laughs> tomato. I think that's the reason. But again, I've never worked with a scribe. I, I, I hope they literally write down as they hear. But I know with scanning pen, there is no is it intonation around it. It's all just the words are read, equal tone and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So I I, I do think in the future, voice dictation will be, it's a good option, I think, for students that can tell their ideas. And those kids that literally you get them to write and their face goes horrible and they get annoyed and they write two or three things, but then you you ask them their answer verbally and they can give you a really detailed, elaborate, amazing answer. I think voice dictation is a really good option for them because, you know, I always come down to is the goal, is the goal of this literacy lesson to have a beautiful page of handwriting or is the goal of this literacy lesson for the student to be able to tell you their answer, to get across their ideas, to write their story or their narrative. So I think going forward in the future, there, like that voice dictation will be an option for some students, but certainly not, not the answer for all.
0: Yes, and I did a podcast with Aaron Smith, who's dyslexic and also works with Microsoft. And the fact that dictation software is in Word, it's in so many things now, it's basically free and you can mm. use it lots of ways. and it's gotten really good. You've just got to make sure, as Aaron says, you train it in the environment it's going to be in. So don't train it in a mm. quiet classroom, mm. train it in the noisy classroom so it can learn to filter out the background noise. Mm. That's the, apparently a big important part that goes wrong for systems. But yeah, no, I think it is, is it the way they present their information, their ideas, or mm. is it the information, ideas we really want? And in the in the real world, if you read the news and how badly on your phone, and realize how badly it's formatted, most time I'd probably guess that that was all dictated and then skim read.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And that's why there's so many grammatical errors in these things because it's just got out as quickly as possible, either bashing it out on their phone as quickly as possible, or not. So we look at the and it's like. Yeah, they're not handwriting. They're not doing all the things we should be doing, and you can see it. So, again, a lot of people in the world of the writing aren't necessarily even typing anymore. They've mm. now moved to yeah. dictation.
1: Yeah, yeah, and functionally, like I, I was having this discussion with the teacher the other day. Actually, yeah, and like I was like, I personally don't like. They were saying handwriting is a life skill. You have to be able to write, and I was sort of thinking through my day, and I do occasionally write it's nothing that I couldn't personally type and you know forms and everything are most forms these days and things like that are very much moving digitally so I think whilst there are there is some research around handwriting support creativity and <laughs> just I was going to you to down the
0: uh, handwriting supports long-term memory line
1: oh no apparently that I may have heard that on your podcast, though, that that's not necessarily true. I would
0: say you haven't got any research the other way, but I went on a course with my daughter, which was so good. It was, Mm. we had a a thousand page textbook online as a PDF, which you could read and you could highlight it Mm -hmm. and all that. It was lovely. I'm just going to write notes. When you can do it she went, no, no. I learn it when I type it out. Yeah, I mean... And it's just her modern next generation way is when she types it out, she's learning it in the same way an older generation person wrote it out. It's the same. It's just
1: repetition of it's repetition of the content. But yeah, I know there is some research and I couldn't quote you on it around it kind of supporting creativity, which I'm sure is true, but there are other kids who just don't write because it's hard. So why are we like, they, they, they would be more relaxed, potentially typing or voice dictating and getting their ideas out sort of it's, that way.
0: It's whatever gets your ideas out is what we should choose. And so for some people, so Dr. Susie Nyman does on the podcast, she does these amazing, huge mind maps and she just like mm. goes for it and she draws it all out. And it, she's obviously going a million miles an hour. You can never get that organization of a mind map on a computer as quickly.
1: There's some interesting mind mapping software these days, actually. and Never, never the, um, be as quick. I, there's also some really interesting jam boards in Google Chrome in that where you yeah. can actually do, yeah, you, there, there is some interesting Something. software. But yeah,
0: what I personally find is I do brain dumps of what's in my head and I'll just bash at the keyboard for five hours, I'll write 20 pages, and then I read through and I often repeat things and, yeah. I, and I rearrange it all yeah. and I get there. But that's the quickest way for me to get my stuff out of my head is always yeah. my handwriting would never keep up and then I'd have to rearrange it and yeah. then but let's talk about the benefits of handwriting because that's what we're supposed to be talking about rather than bashing it let's no let's talk about handwriting what what is what does this new research say
1: the things that I'm really happy to see let's say in the guidance is firstly that they are recommending that children should be learning unjoined handwriting first so I know in there has been a trend, and I think this is because in year two sats, you get more marks if the writing is joined or something like that. So there was a push and a trend for reception students to be starting joined up handwriting straight away. And the thing is, developmentally, those children aren't ready to learn the diagonal for the entrance and the exit stroke. So actually, it is developmentally outside of their ability and I'm really happy to see that that has, that sort of unjoined handwriting is being put into the guidance and I know that there was a push in the phonics guidance as well that all text should be printed rather than joined. So there there's really good nice guidance coming through from the DfE around don't teach joined writing. <laughs> In reception, and I know I, I surveyed about fifty schools last year, and about a third of them were teaching joined writing in reception. So I'm really glad to see that that has has gone. And they actually say delaying teaching joined handwriting gives teachers and children time to focus on other aspects of the writing process, such as composition, spelling, and forming letters correctly. And that's the second thing that I'm really glad to see in there is there's that refocus on formation of letters, because again, a trend that I have seen. And again, it links to what's being focused on. Phonics is a focus. So the focus is on phonics and there's a little bit of sort of handwriting tagged in there, but it's not necessarily always being practiced in terms of that focus on the the letter formations. One thing they haven't put in there, which I really, I think is important, is working on letter formation patterns as groups rather than phonics or alphabetical patterns because for me writing letters is a motor skill so if you teach the things that are the same together it helps to reinforce each other so teaching l t i j u y together they've all got similar patterns r n m h b p they've all got Similar groups, the same with C, O, A, D, G. They've all got that sort of same starting point, and that can be really helpful in reinforcing the children's knowledge. So B starts at the top, whereas D starts like curly cur.
0: But in theory, you'd probably teach them together, but actually, your starting point, way of approaching yeah. them is completely yeah. different.
1: And what schools will do, quite a lot of schools teach in phonics group formation patterns because. And I understand that, but that typically means you're teaching S first. And S is metorically one of the hardest letters to write. Yeah. yeah. But you learn sat pin. So sat pen are your initial phonics letters. So they, they don't metorically group together and they're much more difficult than something like an L or an I. When I used to work in private practice, which I haven't done like clinic for ages, but the number of kids that would come in for handwriting and they would say they couldn't write. And I'd ask them to write a word and they'd be just like, I can't write. And I'd say to them, I I bet you can write me an L. And they'd all write me an L and they'd be a big smile on their face because they could write an L and they could write an O and they could write the letters that link to easy pre-writing shapes. But they'd always struggle with things like S which is difficult because there's a bunch of direction changes. If you put cursive on top of that, an entrance and an exit stroke on an S, that's an up, that's an across, that's a back, that's a round, that's an across, it's an around, it's a back, and it's an out again. Like that's so much directional change to be putting on a four-year-old.
0: So I'm just putting my hand up because I think you said the word motorically.
1: Oh yeah, motor. So motor skills. I learned yeah. lots of new words on this <laughs> podcast. The motor skills, so the motor movement of writing the letter an S compared to a an L or even um oblique lines. So if you think of a most of your capital letters, but an X or a K, they've got or a V or a W, they've got oblique lines, which not like children developmentally aren't able to write their oblique lines until like average age of five. So we've got four-year-olds coming into reception that are expected to write oblique lines.
0: One of the things I was, I was thinking about is this focus on joined-up handwriting. And I was going,
1: why? And it, it's
0: literally going, when do you actually read joined-up handwriting? And from my point, I'm literally going, you're trying to teach that joined-up S with that uh, 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 They would have never seen that before in their life. Why am I doing, where's this bit? That's not on an S. I see all my TV programs. There's never an S with this bit on. What? Well, where yeah. is it coming from? And again, I'm thinking, well, where, where do I would I see joined up writing? And I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm going back in history to pre-internet, pre-text message, yeah, to when people wrote, wrote letters to pen pals and yep. things like that, yeah, and all that lot. And it's like, but we've moved on, and everything is. It's digital. It's digital and non-joined up.
1: What's, um, I mean, I know there is an argument that joined up writing does make you quicker. And for some people, I mean, I, I, I used joined writing all through school myself. But what I find really interesting is that there's this focus on joined up writing in primary. The second you get to secondary school, no one cares what your handwriting looks like as long as it's legible. Yeah. So that's, the, That's for me, that's the disconnect. You kind of, all this time is spent in primary focus on it. And then you hit the first day of year seven.
0: If you look, um. I've, I've, I've got I've written the word regulation. <laughs> and you can see it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Yes. So I've got a capital R, not joined. I've got an E, goes into a bit of a G. U, completely separate. L, completely separate. A, goes straight into the T. I, O, and N, completely separate. And I find that most of my writing, some words I join it's almost like if I can join them quickly they get joined. If I can't, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. And then probably you'll probably find if you did a big look over it, you'd probably join the letters that more frequently go together because you practice joining those more at school.
0: So I wrote sensory processing and the C, the E, and the S are all joined, but the next S isn't.
1: Yeah. But S <laughs> is really hard to join. Like S is it, You've got this it's really, really difficult weird. To join. And, going, no. <laughs> and I, I don't know if they join because that's the thing, there's different schemes. So some of them will join a, a lot of the schemes these days don't join F. And there's a few letters that are that are not joined in, but it depends on the scheme. It
0: depends because I now I I I do my F like that, but I used to do it the Yeah.
1: So Dale's just drawn a printed F versus the old school double loop F that looks a bit like an 8, which they don't actually teach anymore. They teach an entrance in and then an out. And then you come back in on the um, cross. Oh,
0: so you kind of do... I don't even know how to do that. (laughs) Oh, geez, I tried to do that with an E and was like, well, now I'm just completely (laughs) lost because I'm at the bottom. I'm supposed to be halfway up.
1: It does look like an E. It looks nothing like an
0: (laughs) F. That's the paper gone. We'll go back to typing it out.
1: But it does like there is some really... You look at some of it and pragmatically you just think, I I don't know what we're doing here because secondary school, it doesn't matter. High school, I mean, university. I I don't know. I I don't remember my university lecturers ever looking at my handwriting and apart from when I sat my exams and that was 25 years ago. These days, I don't know if exams are still handwritten, but I'm confident there would be options for typing if that was your main method of my, my, my
0: daughter's starting college in September. We're both fingers crossed. And I think she is. She's allowed to do all her work in her laptop. So she can take her own laptop on and do all her work. It's like no handwriting until she yeah. gets to exams. But she's really good. Like she, I, was, I was on a course with my daughter recently about learning about computing stuff. And I'm watching her, and the notes she's making, the organization, and, and the color coding and stuff is amazing. And I also showed her she can do Control F and find words in her document. Yeah. It was just. It's not like she's being lazy. Is she still structuring it and formatting it and laying it out? It was brilliant to see, and I hope she's allowed to do all these things digitally.
1: Yeah, she she will be because the little bit of teaching I've done, like the the students all turn up with their laptops and just sit. I mean, we were working on Google Docs, just like here's here's the set work. Everybody get in your group, format the Google Doc. Like, love it. it. It is so much easier to format information digitally like compared to you i would have been highlighting stuff writing it down highlighting it a color if i made a mistake i've either got to start the page again or kind of fit it in somewhere else whereas if you make a mistake in a in a word doc you can just go back up and fix it
0: yes that's the thing i think one of the things is probably getting to my disadvantage is my dad worked for ibm so when i was in year eight we got a laser printer at home before school did. We had, a la- nice. we, were just, we had an IBM laser printer. School was still on those dot matrix, those noisy ones with all the holes down the side.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I've run them. Yeah, so <laughs> we were still on the printing like it looks now. And my school like, what did you do your homework on? They were all in awe of it. I was like, I just did it in thing. We had Microsoft, whatever it was, before um, Office. Microsoft Works. If you remember oh, Microsoft yes. Works. But I would, I'd write it out and I'd copy and paste and rearrange and do all that. And then I'd go into school and I had to do that by hand. And I was literally just went, I think it might've been part of my problem is like, I had an easy way of doing it at home and a really stupidly complex way of having to do it in paper, rearranging it all and rewriting it. It's like, why? It was, yes, that's my part. That's part of my reason. I'm not a fan of handwriting is I had an easy way. And write I mean, all out some again. people
1: love writing. I know people who've written whole books out by hand because they prefer writing out by hand, and that's fantastic. But we live in a digital age, and our our kids are going into. I mean, I look at the change since I was at school to now, and I think you know, kids starting in reception now. What is it going to look like when they leave school? Because the pace of change has been. Um, just so quick. Actually, I'm looking at this bit here and it does say that writing letters is, may be important for supporting early reading development because it stimulates, the, it stimulates the areas of the brain known to underpin successful reading. So there's some evidence to link reading and and handwriting in the I, early I, I can,
0: years. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. The Yeah, literally as you were talking about that joined up S and seeing that shape and looking at going, well, I've never seen that in my life. Mm. Makes no sense. If you're doing it, writing it and you're looking at it and you're seeing it everywhere and copying it that yeah makes sense it's going to help me oh
1: link that together yeah yeah because i like i actually worked with one girl who came in she would have been year one i think at the time and she her school was using a cursive first approach so joined joined first approach and she couldn't actually identify the joined letters it's exactly as you say like she couldn't identify that S, and she just had made no progress. And I spent, she's actually one of the easiest kids I've ever worked with who made the most progress in the shortest amount of time. And all I did was teach her printed letters in letter formation groups. And within about two months, we had her writing. And she just, until that point, had hardly written anything because she just couldn't figure the letters out. Again, this comes back to phonics. We There's such a focus on phonics at school because there is... Attainment kind of linked to phonics, and the government is really interested in phonics. A lot of the phonics programs use phonics based mnemonics to teach handwriting. So, slither down the snake. Awesome. Amazing alliteration for S. But if you don't have a visualization in your head of a snake in the shape of an S in the correct orientation, it's not necessarily going to help you remember how to write an S.
0: That's the thing. You just assume that everyone, yeah, it's just a snake, and you just assume it's and, the right way around. And I
1: know that there is a visualization in the program of what the S should look like. But yes, some of the, some of the alliterations or the rhymes that the phonics programs use for teaching letters, I am really confused why when I look at them as an adult. And and I'm just like, but why are we not using things like start at the top? Because that's where that letter starts, or don't lift your pen. So I've I've just had some songs done, which literally like start at the top, no lifting starts like curly cur. Because they're for me the movements that children have to make. Like even something like some of the um some of the other writing programs, like they've got some of the, the thing, like the there's a one called a very old one called Right Write Dance. And like so I all these teachers use it and I'm like, oh cool, let let, let me have a look at it. And like I don't understand how the rhymes and the patterns in the book relate to writing at all. If anyone knows that, please email me. And let me know. Because I'm like, I don't I don't get like I know that these are general movement patterns that you do see and the body and the and the pen needs to make, but I don't know how they're teaching a child to write the letter B. Like I I, I I'm not sure.
0: When when you started talking about like, writing of the same formation, I went to a much more complicated, which are le- letters which go together, like shh. Oh,
1: S and H. Yeah, yeah. So
0: joining those two letters together, because you often write them together. Yeah. So if you write those together yes. and it's like you learn cough and brought and ought and taught, you learn the O U G H T word, or maybe A U, yeah. maybe got something wrong, don't penalize me. But you learn to sort of okay, the G into the H mm-hmm. into the T. And that's the thing is, again, by writing those words, which is more your spelling list way, mm. you're going to learn how to join those by doing that same. Every word is going to go O-U-G-H, O-U-G-H, yeah. O-U-G-H. Yeah. That's going to help you. I would have thought you're writing much better than maybe focusing on the first letter.
1: Yeah, i will mean, further down the line. As, as, yeah, as, as we're going and particularly when you're teaching joining, it is really helpful to practice those common ending, you know, I-N-G. Yeah. Like, it's it's something that you use all the time. It's really helpful to practice that. But I just think when you're first learning to do an S and an A and then a T, like they 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 don't the A and the S do start like C, but they're they just it's so much. It's I in my opinion, it's making it so much harder for kids than starting with L and so T.
0: Most most letters have it's like a circle. Yeah, and you have a top and you have a bottom. Yep. Yeah. S and I suppose E are two. Where you've got to do quite tight. Turns. They are really
1: intricate. I mean S S for me, I teach with C at the end. So I teach it as a baby curly cur and then change direction. So that gets it facing the right way. Yes. And E ends like curly cur. So you do your line and then you do a curly cur. And that also gets I'm doing it the right yes. way. So it's opposite direction because you're looking at me funny. But it it teaches kids to draw at the right yeah. orientation because S, E, B, D, P, you know, they're they're the ones that kids often flip the wrong way. So if you, I find if you teach them in that sort of, if you get curly right? Yeah. You can then link the other letters to that and it gives them a kind of directional framework as well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And it is, it is, as an adult, you forget that you know so much and you literally got to go, you know, nothing. It's just, no, you don't know that either. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know anything. Like, now stop. Well, you just know you can... You know, it's, probably, it's so easy to just, just take something you already know and you've got to literally go back to nothing. And I think that that starting that E with it looks like a C and the little C, then... Yeah, that makes... If you can get the C right, and you then you can, can move on the to those.
1: Yeah, because a, a lot of the children I work with, and I would say 80%, they typically what they'll do with their handwriting is segment their letters. So they'll draw the main bit of the N, and then they'll go back and they'll put the little side bit on because nobody's told them to start at the top, go down, come back up, and then go over. So the same with R and M. They'll do like bump, bump, and then go back and add the little bit. Or they'll do the same with P. Like they might do a circle, then add a side. So, so they're not necessarily explicitly taught this is the – rule and this is the way that you're drawing so and I mean probably we we were talking about dyspraxia earlier but if you've got dyspraxia that planning element of how to actually form your letters is really tricky so if you're giving me phonics mnemonics that just don't actually link to the movement my pen's making or if you're not teaching me that at all you're just expecting me to look at it and figure it out I'm going to come up with a way to do it but that doesn't necessarily make the letter easy to write and also what it does when kids are segmenting is, is it also often means their pencil is then in the wrong place to start the next letter so it slows them down so if they kind of do a bump and then add the side on they're yeah. on the wrong side of the letter to start the next letter so they've got to move across and then start their next letter so it, it kind of it really does slow them down and it can make their writing it's definitely less legible a lot of the time because it's just not made in a succinct way.
0: I'm just I'm skimming through the document and I have, I've I've reached a section which says the importance of high quality spoken language.
1: Yeah, it did. And
0: there. I'm I'm literally going yes because again, if you look at the pre-key stage standards, are there any pre-key stage standards for spoken language? No.
1: No, I was I was and really just, excited by this document
0: It was like, though. <laughs> oh! and I, again, so whenever I do talks. I often put in a slide about the importance of spoken language, and I'll link to the language literacy link, which I did a podcast with Wendy Lee, and just going, you kind of are literally, it's almost like you've got the wrong answer in the math equation. Where is your working out? Mm. Yeah, because you're working mm. out, and obviously see where you've got mm. your misfit. Whereas when you're writing down, that's like literally, where is your working out? Where's all these 54 steps you've got through to write it down? Well, I haven't shown that. And that's kind of this, where the spoken language comes in. And it was a verbal reasoning podcast I did with Ang Harrod Welsh about the blank question scale. Do you know that one? I haven't seen it. So it's a four levels of question. Mm-hmm. The first one: What colour top are you wearing? I'm saying this. I can look down. I can see it. I can answer that. Then it gets to more abstracts. Mm. What did you do yesterday? Well, actually, that's quite abstract now. Yeah. So you're now going. Oh, that's quite a long way. So let's go. That might be number three. I can't remember. Number two might be what have you done for this? And you go. Oh, right, just before I was. And it is this level of abstractness. And I've probably got them all wrong. So if I have got them wrong, sorry, Ang, Harold. But I know the fourth one is kind of like, why did you hit your brother?
1: Yes, why? And
0: and it's like, what yeah. do you mean? Why did you hit your brother? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Right, so what were you doing? And you go through it. and You build the story up with your child and he tells you, so I hit him. You're like, why I? The reason when I asked why I didn't is he couldn't bring it all together to tell mm. me. So you then say, well, you were sitting watching TV. Yes, so you've now put a location. Mm. what were you doing we were watching this pro, and you're literally piecing it all together mm. and it's that sometimes it needs a visual 100% so there's a book called You Choose which my daughter loved I hated I've mentioned it before in this podcast because she knew it would take an hour to get through because it was always just talking about what would you wear where would you live what would you wear what do you want for dinner it was a page full of visual sort of things to jump out oh I love that I'll live there I'll live that and sometimes when you ask a child write about what you did at the weekend and they've not written anything Can actually work out out of everything they did at the weekend, which included going to the toilet, uh,
1: picking their nose,
0: having a, yeah, going to sleep, had baked beans. What is actually, from all of that bit, what is it they want to know?
1: Yeah. 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 And that, so that comes, that's the second piece, that's like the composition bit. So even, you know, I I have kids that can do beautiful copying of letters, that can do beautiful writing of their letters in their handwriting book. And then you get them to do, (laughs) you know, answer questions that are particularly some of that more abstract stuff and they, they struggle with it. So it's, that that is the composition side of writing, which is completely different. And if you've got a child that's struggling with that, no amount of handwriting practice, or keyboarding practice, or voice dictation is going to support it. It's no. going back to well, a, are there underlying develop- like language dis- like is there a, an underlying language disorder or something that we need to look at from a speech and language perspective? And yeah, it, exactly that in terms of supporting them to break down the question because like I used to do some work with kids just even breaking down questions because they they couldn't pull out the important bit of a question yeah. which I think is done a little bit more like I have seen it done in secondary a bit more but I'm not sure how much it is done in primary even these days but it is it is that that scaffolding sometimes is needed for those kids who who struggle so it might be write three even for some kids giving them a a boundary around you know write me three things you did or or write me you know one thing you did with your mom one thing you did with your dog <laughs> one thing you did in the garden or yeah. you know, or three things you saw or just scaffolding it a little bit more can help to provide answers. But it
0: is. But if you're just literally asking them to write and they're not doing it, you could be so many things. It just... And you need to have that understanding of all those steps yeah. before writing it down. You, said you might have a child who has the most beautiful handwriting when she's copying or she's doing that or she writes this poem out. You write it out. Yeah. Now write your own
1: poem. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry.
0: That's it is, it's, it's So it's, it's not, yeah, there's no handwriting, but the issue isn't with the handwriting. But it is all, everything is about removing those barriers. And yeah. I love the fact that that spoken language, which it also talks about the use of. So again, it's you modeling. Yes. Lots of modeling as well. So that also is what you did at the weekend. Yeah so yeah, you're literally I, helping them understand oh so they went out did i go out yes where did i go and hey cool i can say that you're literally helping them work out how to which part of what they did is the important part is there anything you don't like in this
1: in the document i must admit i am not an expert on the phonics and reading bit so i haven't read that particularly thoroughly so i'm sure that educators out there will have
0: I just, I'm just hoping it doesn't say if phonics don't work, do more phonics, and if that doesn't work, do more. And if the first three levels of phonics don't work, let's try something else called phonics.
1: Yeah, I just, I was just really excited to see that bit more of a focus on writing, and as you say, that sort of the, the spoken language. the The, the reading and phonics is not my, it's not my area of expertise. I know that there is a, a huge push for phonics, and I know that there is evidence around that, but I also know that there is evidence for other options there are phonics works for most yeah and one thing one thing i know i was chatting to a teacher very recently around just some of the schemes you having to actually when we were talking about this this morning around b squared sort of you can set that rate of moving on to the next stage yeah we're setting a rate of 80 to 85 percent, and you can move on to the next stage and i know that some of the phonics programs until you reach 100% you can't move on to the next stage and i know some teachers find that a little bit frustrating because you know for that that poor child they could be spending two or three extra years on this stage and it it, it can't be particularly motivating for them
0: That's the thing that's what I have. I'm not a big fan of Secure Fit because it's like, if you can't do this one thing, but you can do 95% of it all, mm. you can't move on. It's like, so am I not going to make progress? Yeah, you, know, you are going to make progress. So let's do the other stuff. And what you might find is by doing all the other things, it kind of drags that final one up because yes. they use it in a different way or they do things like that. And that's the thing. A lot of the time is you might leave it and then you come back to doing other things and they get it up. And sometimes it might just be just they need more exposure to it. They haven't had much exposure to it because, like, Z. How often do you expose to the word Z? When you and go also to the
1: Q. Zoo. Q and Z. Like, most kids get to Q and they're, or well, most of my kids, you've got to remind them what it looks like because they just don't use it. If that you much. live in
0: Quebec, you might be all right.
1: But then you're out in the capital. So if you need a lowercase, you're still in trouble. Oh, that's
0: true. But that's <laughs> the thing. There'll be these things they're not used to it. But if you move the rest on, you'll see more of the Q as you move on in the world and see more things. You'll see and be exposed more to Q and Z. Whereas if you just sat there going, I oh, you never see this letter, but we're going, to focus- we're going to keep you back until you do.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I do think most teachers are, that I know at least are quite pragmatic around that and do move on. But the guide, like the actual program, they, they just get frustrated in that kind of yeah. the actual guidance in the programs is you need to keep banging on with it. So, yeah.
0: So I did do a podcast before with Charlie Pitt Miller, which is about phonics and the dyslexic profile, which is literally mm-hmm. looking at if they're struggling with phonics, we kind of looked, talked about breaking it down. Which part is it they're struggling mm-hmm. with? Is it they can go cut a tur, decoded it, then go potato? Because <laughs> they can't remember that first yeah, okay. sound. There's that whole thing. So we've gone through that. So it is worth listening to that. Yes, yeah, so phonics works for lots of children, but not everyone. And if you're doing it, I saw... I saw it really made my skin itch. It was a key stage four or five setting. We were still doing phonics because it hadn't worked for the last 11 odd years. You're we like, going, really? It's what we were told we had to do. And you're also going, oh, that's if something hasn't worked for 11 years.
1: Unfortunately, there are kind of elements in the, in the guidance that kind of keep, keep, pushing it rather than moving a bit more pragmatic i'm an ot i'm very pragmatic so like if it's not working after the first two years i'd be like there's got to be a different system here probably after the first year yeah so that that's sort of the new bits and pieces there for handwriting i'm just trying to think is there any other do you have any other questions about handwriting dale or anything no i like
0: yeah i, I can i literally love the fact it's not the focus isn't on this cursive as it yet yeah. If you are changing your approach to writing and you're, let's say you are a school who've done cursive but no longer are, please make sure you communicate that to your parents. Yes. Because if you have an older child who's doing cursive, and you're trying to help your younger child with the cursive handwriting and they think you're doing it wrong. Yes. It kind of helps the parent know that not, so that child won't be doing cursive handwriting for a while or might not at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's that piece of definitely sharing that information in your newsletters and Prepping your parents that that things are changing. Yes. Um, there's, I mean, there's most schools have got various communication channels these days. So that's certainly not a hard thing. Most schools are on Twitter. So you could just put it on your Twitter feed if your parents follow you on Twitter. Yes.
0: And from, I think there's a lot, there's a big thing in my daughter's school about getting onto
1: pen. Oh, pen. Oh, this is a bugbear of mine. This is a real, <laughs> <is a> real <laughs> bugbear of mine. I didn't
0: realize this. Um, Why is it a bugbear so, with you?
1: Pen, pen I love. Pen licenses are just, I think, completely discriminatory and inappropriate. And i I really hope I kn- I know they were a thing when I was a kid at school, and I got mine because I had good handwriting and I was a model student, and like I was one of the first mm. to get my yeah. I know, like
0: I was one of the last.
1: Yeah, but but how did that make you feel, Dale? Rubbish. Yeah, exactly. And and someone else pointed out a really good point to me the other week that often the kids that struggle the most with their handwriting are the ones that don't get their pen license until that kind of consolidatory at the end of the year, everybody gets it. So they've had the least practice. So they're the kids with the lowest skills and the least practice. They turn up on the first day of what, I don't know what year it is here. Is it year four or year five? They turn up on that first day and they have to write in pen. So it, it's, it's almost like they're the kids that need the most practice and they've been given the least. And I I also find a lot of kids, once they realize they can't erase their writing in pen, they go back to pencil just naturally anyway, because they realize that if they make a mistake, they can't fix it. And for some kids, pen is actually easier. We were talking earlier about kind of the the hypermobility in your finger and that extra pressure. So actually writing with a rollerball pen is so much easier because there's less friction than writing with a pencil. So for some kids... Their writing actually improves when they get to write in pen.
0: And it's also more consistent because you're not having to remember to sharpen the yeah. pencil. But that's the thing is, I sit there again, the pen thing, it, well, I was going to say the same as you, it's kind of like a performing seal. <laughs> yeah, is if you write these 26 letters the correct way, you get to use a pen. I don't care that actually your stories are the best in the class mm-hmm. and you've got an amazing imagination. You can structure everything beautifully. The word you use when you tell me what happened at the weekend is phenomenal. I can sit there listening to you for hours, but you still can't do the essay. You're stuck with writing in pencil. It's like, surely we should be celebrating the content.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I not just... Not the delivery. I've worked with so many students. that Pretty much all of the kids I've worked with are the last kids to get their pen. Like, they just by the nature of the group of kids I work with, they are those kids. And like the amount of anxiety and sadness and demotivation I see it cause them and their parents <laughs> because they're coming in and going, oh, I didn't get my pen license this week. Oh, I'm still allowed to write in pen. And not only that, most of them, they've got to, in their equipment list at the start of the year, they have to buy their pen. So they've got the pen in their pencil case. They're not allowed to use it. So it's kind of like, it's not like, when you get your license, mom and dad go and get you your pen. It's like, well, this year you'll go under pen at some point.
0: Yes. But it's just, I just, yeah, it's just odd. And I forgot my point with that. a really good point and it's gone. I'll see if it comes back. Probably won't. But it, it, it's just the pen thing. It's To me, it should be about the content, yeah. not the delivery. And if, that's it, if you are a teacher listening to this going, but my, my children, they they love they love getting onto pen. They love it. It's like, do they love it because you make them feel like it's a big, important thing? Yeah? If you literally just said to every child, you can use pen or pencil, and it's up to you, and you got rid of it completely, there would be no hugely positive feeling of achieving something, but there would also be hugely no negative feeling. Yeah. And we could just focus on the content again. Back in our day, it was all about the oh, fountain pen. Oh, no, I didn't pen. have a fountain pen. <gasps> I had biro. Oh, no, you weren't biro.
1: Oh, we only had biros in Australia. We had
0: fountain pens. <laughs> oh, my God. I hated. But they're hate. they're they
1: are smudge. They're horrible. Are you left-handed?
0: No, I'm right-handed, no, okay. luckily. But they also, you, you write, so it has to be sort of at a certain <laughs> right angle. And all it doesn't that work. Lot. And it also makes that scratching noise if you do yeah. certain...
1: Why? No,
0: biros. Biros. Roller balls, biros... I used to have those V5 fine liners. They were quite oh, yeah. good. They were... But I generally, I made mistakes. I generally, especially drawing things or planning, I make mistakes when I think about things and I rub things out. So why use pen? It's fixed. It's locked. It's, <laughs> yes.
1: It is. That's a probably a good note to...
0: I'm glad you had the same reaction to the pen license thing.
1: Yeah. Bugbear. I have a blog on it that I wrote the other week and I got I got quite a lot of like, feedback on it just in terms of yes and there's a lot if you, if you start talking about it on Twitter it very much it, it's a lot of people call it ableist that's the
0: thing is, is when, when as a company you're having your team's wag of how's your day yeah and the pen license from some child's school ends up in that conversation <laughs> you can kind of understand how upset their child is and the impact on their family if we're discussing it's a company wide level not yeah. a giant company it's like 5,000 people it's 15 of us it's it, when you're doing it like literally that is a negative thing because you're supporting your child that her friends got it and purely because they can't yeah not 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 for me personally it's all about what you're saying and how you're saying it and my, my daughters do have a much greater use of english than i do it's phenomenal
1: do they get that from their mum?
0: I think they get it from school.
1: Okay. <laughs> I was hoping to. <laughs> I was hoping to pick up mum there. But no, they yeah, do get it I from mum. I'm,
0: I'm logic. I'm maths and computing. I've learned over the last few years. There's lots of rules and logic in English. I've got much better at it. But the verbs, nouns, adjectives, all that lot, I'm completely oh, lost on. I would on.
1: fail your 6 SATs.
0: Yes, I, I know fronted, I don't know, I don't know, I, I, I don't know a fronted, what, verbal, but I know past progressive, but um, it's the use of language. When my daughter's write; they don't just write, she sat on the mat, she sat delicately on the blood. She Those extra words, which do make a real big difference, I never thought of adding.
1: Yeah,
0: And it might be a neurodiverse thing, I don't know, working that one out, but it is those extra words really make what you're reading come more alive. And my daughters use this a lot, and they use the different sentence starters and the whole rearranging sentence. Of so you write this, is well, what's the most important part of that? Well, stick that at the beginning, because that's what you need to hit with. And all of this that they learn in primary has given them a really good use of English. And I've learned a lot from my daughters, and I use it in my writing. Um, so that is phenomenal. The stuff they've and I, the fact that if my write a sentence, my daughter has identified front of the is. I really don't care. I don't care if they know the names. If they know how to use it. And I think that's a lot of people said, say, I don't know what a fronted verb is. You say this, they go, oh. oh, you use it all the time. You just didn't know. That's I think what it's like, called. I think, surprisingly, is a fronted verb. Oh, really? It's the way you start the sentence. I think I could be <laughs> completely wrong and I'm sorry if i have just... <laughs> If you're tutting at me or shaking your head, I think like you're starting a sentence with something. I didn't learn grammar.
1: I went to school in the 80s. They they, they took grammar out of the curriculum.
0: I still don't know verbs, nouns, and adjectives. (laughs) And I went to school in the 80s and 90s. Um, So my my daughters phenomenally have taken a lot and have got a lot more from this. But I do think this handwriting and this needs to have a. I think the fact, yeah, not joined up is a big start. Yeah to me is whatever's the most legible is what children should be doing. And if we go back to the nineties, we did joined up writing because we did handwritten or my parents' generation did handwritten notes, but you don't even have, you don't even do joined writing in birthday cards, do you really? So if you think when you write, you write doodling, you write notes when someone just, but even most notes I do on my iPad, we, we don't need joined up writing.
1: I, I think it has its place. I wouldn't go as far as as Dale. Dale's looking at me across the table, going, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, I know." I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we need to remove joined up writing, but I definitely think it is a kind of key stage two skill rather than a EYFS key stage one definitely. skill. I know it's. key I think the year two stats still include it, so schools will be wanting to put it in there. But I certainly would. I, I hate it when I walk into reception classes and they're learning entrances and exits and that. So I definitely agree with the guidance in terms of printed first from that perspective. And I'd love to see a more of a focus sort of getting that little bit of handwriting practice back in, but teaching and letter formation patterns with that sort of focus on rules that link to movement rather than necessarily grouping in alphabetical kind of phonic, phonic groups.
0: I'm just gonna go back to the typing which we started mm. with. And one of the things to think about is don't necessarily leave it to the last resort. Yeah. Don't think of it like almost like an AAC thing, yeah? Because it is. Is if they're struggling with their handwriting, but they've got something to say, by leaving it to the last report resort, report, resort, you're kind of saying, I don't, I'm not interested in what you're saying. Yeah. So using it earlier helps them share the message helps them find their voice and once they found the voice and they're more comfortable with that they might be able to come back to the handwriting it's not a never ever thing handwriting
1: yeah and they may want to come back i mean i certainly i do try and push like once i get into year two particularly for the kids that have got the ideas and it's their handwriting is yeah just slowing them down i i do i personally push i I get a lot of pushback but i certainly try and for parents like you know typing at home i think or voice dictation at home like because it's you know back in the day you used to have to buy a separate software and it wasn't even that great and you were paying hundreds of pounds for it but nowadays like any phone has got good voice dictation software on it so like it's not even it's completely accessible so it's and i think it does for the kids that struggle, that, that, for the kids that have got really good ideas but struggle to get it out, typing or voice dictation can just, you know, you see their eyes light up. They're like, yeah. wow, you can see my, my answer, my information.
0: And sometimes when they, they just start saying loads and they just, they, go, they get into that flow and you let it go and you keep going, it keeps going. And you almost print out and it's like, where's that whole page of writing come on? He's like, that's what you've just said. Yeah. Again, it's like they get scared of writing. It just helps them see they've got something to say. Someone's listening. They get marks. Okay, I want to write now. That's the thing. Why, why write? Because I'm told to because I want to. It's just don't see typing and laptops as the last resort. See it as helping them share that message, helping them find that love of sharing that message and having their ideas and t- telling people things. And that handwriting might come later, or it might not. But
1: They're giving you the answers.
0: They're giving you the answers. <laughs> they're showing and you they're learning. What we want.
1: Evidence. They're giving you evidence they of are. understanding.
0: Whereas if you leave it, you could you could be losing out things. They could be kind of causing more anxiety, feeling less worthy, and many other things that go down a bit of a rabbit hole just because the feeling is laptop's bad, handwriting good. Mm. And I just think we need to all work out again what is, you know, what is the overall meaning of writing. And it is to share. To me, writing is you're sharing information to someone to access later. That's that's to me what writing yeah, is. Or you're, sh-
1: or you're showing your knowledge.
0: Yeah. So when you're having a conversation, it's synchronous. But writing is I write a book, I might print off 500 copies for others to read. That's what writing's about. And however I get it into that format, it doesn't matter. There's a load of skills around the writing and the structure. There's a, all this stuff goes in. That's what's important to me, how it got there less. So, and if you can get that and then it's just, which order do we do it in? Sometimes we get fixed up on this way. We've always done it to what, what could we do? So I think we should end it there because I think we're going to go around in circles again. So thank you for coming on the podcast today.
1: No worries, it's been great.
0: Really enjoyed it. And we'll put a link, if you haven't found the research, we'll put a link to the research in the show notes. So you'll find them on the website or wherever you listen to this podcast. I'll also be sharing Kim's contact details so you can tell her how much you love the pen license, maybe even send her a copy of your pen license certificate so she can have one. Thank you for listening to her. If you have subscribed already, please click on the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. where just, just search for The Send cast and you'll find us. And as always, I'm going to talk about B Squared because we are all about showing progress. If your assessment process is over complicated, takes too long, you want to see what is available. Have a look at the B Squared website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small steps of progress for pupils with a CND. If you are a school in England and still confused by the engagement model, not sure about the pre-key stage standards or want to have spoken, ses- spoken language or anything else around assessment, please get in contact. We also have lots of content for s- schools in Scotland and Wales, so you're not being left out. And you can also find out about our online training, our conferences, you can read our blog, watch our webinars. It is all on the B website. You'll find a link to the website to book a meeting with me in the show notes along with my email address. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye from me.
0: Bye, everyone.